Hello, it's Matt again. Just another friendly disclaimer that you will hear us call this podcast His and Her Gaming. Uh, this was recorded before we came upon the name Co-Oppo Mode, so you're on the right podcast. Happy to see you here again, and hopefully you enjoy it. His and Her Gaming, a couple's opinion on gaming. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Rose. And welcome back. Uh, hopefully you guys listened to that first episode and you decided to show back up for the second. That makes me excited. Hopefully you played some Hitman. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I can understand. The price tag can be a little worried, but if you got that Xbox and Game Pass, psh, I, I don't see why you aren't playing it. I, I'll be offended if you didn't play it. <laughs> okay, maybe not offended, Don't worry but about that. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about this week. What do you got for me today? Oh, this one's really interesting, and I actually beat this game already. So <laughs> that's good. You can help me out when I get stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm Uh-oh. just going to get into it. <laughs> it's talking. I don't want to help you out too much because of the kind of game it is, but I, I will definitely be willing to help. Uh, let's, let's get into it. The game is called Inscription. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is Inscription? Well, Inscription is a deck-building roguelike game for PC that was released uh, just this last October, 2021. So long ago. And how do I explain it? You remember that board game Clank? Yeah. And you kind of like, you build up your deck and it helps yep. you dive deeper into that board game, right? That's kind of what a deck building game that is game in general. That game is really, really fun. It is. So that's partially why I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, it, it's... You get more cards, you get more options, and like you learn how cards can... Uh, I don't know, best word is synergize, I guess, together to help you win. Uh, and I'm going to get more into the gameplay a little later. I just kind of wanted to give a basic idea of what kind of, you know, what kind of game it is. Um, it was developed by Daniel Mullen Games and published by Devolver Digital. And I got to give Devolver Digital a little bit of love because they do a lot of work with little indie developers. So you get a lot of these uh, interesting concept games that might not have gotten noticed, kind of get put out into public light more often. They ha- they have some of my favorite games that I've played in recent years. Uh, one of them was uh, Enter the Gungeon, where everything's about the like wild amount of guns you use, and you're going from room to room fighting like uh, uh, anap- oh, I am forgetting. anapomorphic. Yeah, bullets and shotgun shells and stuff like that uh katana zero was a really fun one where you're like this samurai assassin and it's all like 2d pixel sprite stuff a lot of the time looks really cool uh there's a game i eventually want to make you try called uh loop hero which is (laughs) 
Which sounds like, okay, mm-hmm. what are you playing with hula hoops? What's going on? No, you're like building a path for your little adventurer to run around. And like you're choosing where to put like enemy spawners on, on the path. And like your goal is to like collect resources to build your town. And it sounds like, okay, kind of boring maybe. But like when you do it, like you get like a good loop going. And it's very satisfying. Sure. You know? Um, and like just... I just want to say the name of this one. It's one that uh, is going to be coming out, or maybe by the time you listen, it's already out. There's a game literally called Wizard with a Gun. <laughs> like, the name alone has me intrigued. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> of course. Like, it's so fun. Like, it's You're like, it's so fun. wild. I gotta try it. Yeah, a Wizard with a Gun? I'm in. I'm in. I'm 100% in. And uh, there's another one called the uh, Cult of Lamb. And I think I talked to you about this, but you're this little lamb. And basically, you start a cult. It's all like these cutesy little sprites and this little lamb. And then you have like a sacrificial altar. And it's like a wild mix of two opposing things. And it's just like, it's interesting. It's something different, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, really appreciate Devolver really uh, giving love to these indie studios to, to put it out there. And it's honestly it's worked for them and i'm i'm happy that it does because you know a lot of times you get these people like the guy who made stardew valley it's one dude who makes that game and runs it and that's a lot of work and it's so popular and it's because he had a good idea for mixing a little harvest moon a little hack and slash you know like a slice of life sim and people eat it up Uh, uh, another thing i really kind of enjoy about them uh back when uh, e3 was a thing you know in the before times uh <laughs> they uh, when they had a conference at e3 they called it the big fancy press conference yeah and uh they did some wild things they paid actors to come out and be like representatives of their company and they uh uh they did one that was like, oh, there's a new microtransaction we can do where you just throw money at the screen and it pays for stuff. <laughs> and uh, or like uh, they uh, came up, uh, if you've ever heard of early access games where people, uh, it happens on Steam a lot. Sure. People release the game before it's technically right. finished and people buy it ahead of time because they're interested in it and they want the final product. And it sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the company. It depends on the person making it. But they were like, oh, we got earliest access. The game hasn't even been started making yet. We have an idea and you can pay money for it now. (laughs) Or uh, uh, they came up with loot box coin. It was a mix between loot boxes and like Bitcoin. (laughs) Or or, uh, but the whole thing was they actually send you a plastic coin that's not actually worth anything anywhere else. But you're going to want it because it just they came up with some ridiculous stuff. And uh, it is a bit of a bummer that they don't get to keep doing it because, you know, there hasn't really been a real E3. Nobody needs it anymore, I guess. You know, you could just post your whole thing online on YouTube nowadays. Mm. Um, But uh, getting away from the publisher and uh, back to Daniel Mullins, uh, he likes to do. They're called uh, game jams. Uh, and it's basically where, hey, you got 48 hours, make a game, make a flash <laughs> game. And like Newgrounds used to do this a lot back in the day. Uh, there's a site, I think it's uh Ludum Dares, if I'm pronouncing that right. But they'll have a theme, like make a card game in 48 hours, make a, make a platformer with time travel in 48. Like they have all these ideas where like, and you try to make it and people vote on it. Mm-hmm. 
And that's actually where uh, it's really interesting is Inscription is based on one of his game dares that he did. Uh, I think uh, if I remember right, it was called uh, Sacrifices Must Be Made. And it'll (laughs) make sense when you play it. And like you see it and it really does. Like it's got the same vibe and it's basically uh, like the beginning of the real game. And uh, on on a side note, uh, there's a lot of like little hidden arg stuff in this game like little uh you know uh game theorist matt pat right oh yeah and he likes to do the lore deep dives or like the hidden gems they put in this daniel mullins puts a lot of hidden stuff in his games and he has hidden stuff in this game where you have to go back to sacrifices must be made play that to unlock a code to unlock more information in the full inscription game like that's how far this guy is like thought ahead and planned like it's wild and even some of his old games have stuff that like relates like it's it's crazy and i really need to go back and play some of his um older games one's called pony island (laughs) totally just a game about ponies (laughs) and when you play inscription you'll understand it probably isn't just a game about ponies on an island (laughs) and uh, uh i can't remember what the other game it's like hex Hexum. Ah, oh, I should have looked it up. I feel bad now. <laughs> bad research. Yeah, bad, bad, bad research. But um, I think he's got like an interesting eye for some kind of fun twists in his games, and uh, it kind of does make it enjoyable to play. And I'm gonna get into the actual game now because the actual gameplay is really fun. It's it's divided into like a few acts um and i'm i'm going to focus on the first one cuz i don't want to give away stuff to people who haven't played the game there's actually a a whole mod that i think he officially released on steam where you can just play the very first act over and over and over again like that's how good especially the the start of this game is like it just grabs you right away um and it is i i can't stress it enough this game is fun. I really enjoyed it. And when I started playing it, I just had to keep coming back and keep doing it and like until I finished it, right? It's very smart about layering new things onto um new like things you can do onto the game as you go. So it doesn't like start you out like, "Hey, here's like eight things you can do right away." It gives you the basic rundown and then it adds one new thing. And then it adds one new thing. So, for example, the base card game is you have, like, these animal cards, right? But some of these cards have, like, a little blood icon on them, a little drop of blood. And you need to sacrifice a card on your board to summon them. So, like, you get unlimited squirrel cards. They don't have any attack. They don't have any defense. They just are out there basically to be sacrificed. So you sacrifice that, you can put out uh, an otter, or you can put out a turtle. It's like all these different animals. That's like the main mechanic. It's all about sacrifice, learning to put out stuff that you want to sacrifice so you can put out your stronger stuff. And at first it's simply you're just trying to, you know, beat your opponent. And then eventually you get like special abilities, like you get a pliers. You can, you pull out a tooth, which helps tip the scales in your favor (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, i guess i didn't make that clear (laughs) how you win a round of this game is there's (laughs) scales and 
whatever damage you don't do to a creature and you do to the actual opponent, gold teeth drop on the scale and tip it in your favor. That's just what... It's It's got this kind of creepy... This weird tooth thing, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Let me... Well, you did. You totally forgot to mention that. I know, it's hard. I, it's There's so much going on. Let me let me give like some of the art style and the vibe, right? Let's let's start with that. Like you start out, you wake up, you're in this cabin. It's creepy, it's dark. You know there's a person on the other side of this table, but you can't really all you see is his eyes and his hands. Like you don't see him very much. And you got this table in front of you, this rickety old table. It's thunderstorming outside. It's got this very creepy vibe to it. Hmm. And it's really interesting. You're like, why am I here? What am I doing? And the guy's like, hey, you're going to play this game. I love this game. He rolls out this map, and this is the roguelite part of it. You can pick your path, and depending upon what path you take determines what you find. Like, sometimes it's like a salesperson who will help get you more cards. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it leads you to another uh, item that can help boost your cards. But all this stuff is that gets layered on, and you're, there's a boss at the end of each one of these maps that you have to fight. And eventually you fight the guy across the table. It is really set up to get you to go, I want to go a little bit further this time. Because when you die, when you lose, you got to start back over at the beginning. And that's how roguelites work. Like, you get a little more information, you get a little more knowledge, you get a little things to help you get a little further in your next run. So, the big thing is, for example, when you die, you get to make what's called a death card. And whatever cards you've amassed during this run, this deck that you built during this run, you get to, like, pick pieces from it. You get to pick the card cost, how many you got, how many animals you gotta sacrifice to summon this card you picks like its special ability you pick like its attack and its health and so if you get lucky you can get like a super strong card for like no cost or you get like a really crappy card that costs a lot and you're like i don't want to find this card again like it it they really set it up for you to like okay just one more run i gotta go a little bit further i can do it i almost beat it right and then you th- and you're listening to me and you're like, okay, here's a cool card game, right? It's not just that. You can get up from the table and walk around this little creepy cabin. Hmm. And there's like escape room elements. There's a, a cuckoo clock and a picture that shows like certain cards laid out on the table. And if you put those cards on the table in that order during one of your fights, it'll open up. And there's something, an item behind there to help you. There's a safe you got to figure out the combination to. There's all these things that you can find and do in the room which is really an interesting take and it'll help you get further in your runs if you do take the time to try to figure it out and the other wild thing is some of the cards talk to you okay so you pull out this stoat and it'll say stoat at the top and then all of a sudden text will start running hey you're new here hey can you help me or don't do this or you should check out this clock or like they'll tell you stuff and it really adds to this creepy vibe. Why are these cards talking to me? What's going on with their faces? Like all all this cool little stuff. And you're like, I, you just want to find out. You want to find out what's going on, what's happening, right? And that's what I mean. Like they keep layering these things on and on and on. And it just keeps you hooked. So 
yeah, it's interesting because you'll learn like what cards you like, how you want to try to build your deck. And then when you get to a certain point in the game, they change it up. There's like even more you can do and different ways you can build your deck. It's it's really interesting how he's gone about doing this. And there's lots of fun little secrets and stuff that you like, oh, this is why this guy was here in this point. I It makes sense. Now, I, uh, I'm excited for you to play it because I think the vibe you'll really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's like this little creepy. I think that vibe's going to get you. And I think the card game is going to get you. The only thing I'm wondering is I don't know if the roguelite part is going to get you. That's the only question I have. Because I found out I'm a huge sucker for roguelites, right? One more run. One more run. I can do it. Like, it's nice to have, like, you can take time to, like, oh, I'm going to play this game for, like, 20 minutes. And then this is as far as I get. It's not a big deal, right? But I think, I really, really do believe you're going to enjoy that card game. And you're going to want to, like, I want to build a better deck. I want to find a new card. You're excited to see what you can do. And you like puzzles. So you might have fun trying to figure out the puzzles in the room as well. I can help you out with a couple of them, but I want to see how much you can figure out on your own. We already ruined one, so. That's, well, that's that one's start. so obvious. Like, it's literally <laughs> a picture like, hey, here, put the squirrel here. Put the, the bee over here. That's it. It's a picture of that. Like, you're going to figure that one out. That one's pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The other ones are a lot trickier. So I need you to clarify for me. What yeah. a roguelite is, because I am just a casual. <laughs> okay. No, that's actually a pretty good question, because not everybody understands. Um, I think the term came comes from an old game. It's like how people call uh, Dark Souls-like games Souls-likes, um, or Souls-born, because that's kind of the idea. Here's the basic rundown for what a roguelike game is. Um, generally, it's the game is split up into what you would call a run where you try to get as far as you can you're gonna die and then you start back at the beginning okay but every time you go through it changes it's not the same rooms it's not the same enemies it's not the same places it's not like you can choose the same way to go on the map and get so good at that one way that you don't even have to think about it it's always a little different now generally roguelites will do something where you gain some sort of currency or you gain some sort of abilities depending on how far you get to make the next run easier. So like you learn how to play the game better. You also get abilities that make the game easier and you get a little farther and it like the loop plays over and over and over again until you go. That well, sounds like it could either be extremely frustrating or really helpful. Yes. So I'm kind of interested to see how I'm going to handle that yeah and that's what i'm saying like some people it's not their thing some people it really is their thing i'm finding out it is my thing i have i feed off nice small quick loops and that's like there's one more just one more run just one more like uh that game you've seen me playing recently on the xbox skull yeah i i have i had it on pc and i played it before that's a roguelite that's a type of roguelite that one is like a more of an action uh, oh, the, the, the one when you say, oh, I have 30 minutes, I can do a run, and 50 minutes later, you're still working I on did it. so game, good. I can't remember. Uh, That's what you're telling Hades me. Hades is the game <laughs> I want to make you play, which is an amazing, amazing roguelite. And um, it it is. like Some roguelites are better than others. I hear sure. there's one on the PlayStation, like a run takes hours. 
and they were having problems. I can't remember what the game is called. People would uh, be playing the game and it shut down. It was having some bugs and oh, stuff gosh. like that. So yeah, like all of a sudden you lose a whole run yeah. and people were pissed. Especially if it takes that long. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, I like ones like this inscription's nice because if you need to stop after a little while, you can and you can just pick up where you left off usually pretty well. It's always good for me. Um, so even if you don't die, you can still come back and jump back into the run. Uh, the... I'm trying to think of other things. I That's the general rule of thumb. Uh, like enter the dungeons, a rogue light too, and it, so the rooms will change. The enemies will be different. It's all randomized. So in this case, for this game, it's when you go onto the map to pick which way you're going. That's random every time. the your, The cards you might be able to get are random, but as you unlock cards, you're gonna find more. You're gonna have more options, more avail, you know, more things available to you. And that's how it does really well, building and layering on. So, like, the first few times you die, it's like, okay, but then they start doing things that help you. Or you solve puzzles in the room that helps you go further or gives you more chances. Yeah, I mean, that's the general rule of thumb for all roguelites to an extent. I don't know, is there anything you're curious about? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's a good thing to know, like, going into it. It helps you understand what the game actually is i think at this point I, I don't have anything more to say other than that the core gameplay is so much fun that deck building and the card game are enjoyable and it makes it just makes the game fun to play and like you said clank really really fun right this is like a different version of that in a sense um I think I ran out. I ran out of things to say. What do you think? How much do you feel like you want to play this game? I don't think I sold this one as well as I sold <sighs> Hitman 3, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I it sounds like there's things that I will appreciate or like about it, but mm. it sounds like there's some things that I'm thinking I'm not going to be so thrilled, but it's hard to say. It. I think it's definitely a really different than what i usually play yes so i'm either gonna love it or hate it <laughs> yeah i mean well that's generally most I, games unfortunately <laughs> um I, I guess i'd give my excitement about a six i don't feel as excited about it as i as i was uh for hitman but i i don't know like you said the, the creepiness of it that might get me i might yep. like that i do like deck building games a yes. lot i don't think i've played a deck building game that i didn't like yeah, it'll be interesting to see about all the other play and how I go about it and how I enjoy it. So, Yeah, I think saying it was deck building like Clank was my biggest selling point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, and then there's teeth, and it's like, what? That's yeah, weird, I gotta I, uh, check that out. Oh, man. I re there's cards with otters, and then there's teeth. That's kind of what <laughs> When you play this game, you're yeah, gonna understand I'll there's I'll so much it. happening that it's hard to, like, what do I talk about first? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because they all kind of interweave. Yeah, yep. Uh, Alright then. So we're going to end the first half here. Give you a chance to kind of ring out a few rounds of this game for a week. Let's go game. And we'll come back. We'll see you guys soon. Right, we are back.
I am still alive. That first day I thought I was going to get murdered. Why don't you uh, enlighten them about uh, how this went down? I had, um, I had a rage fit the first time I played this game last Saturday. I haven't raged that hard in a long time. I didn't, I understood the idea that you were trying to explain to me of a roguelike game, but I can't honestly think of one that I've played before that is like that. Hmm. It hit me hard. I don't like failing. And it was a lesson to be learned. I was so frustrated that first night. I was very, very angry. But to start right at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, you were literally like after that initial just grinding of trying to play this game and getting frustrated, you started kind of hate playing it. (laughs) I actually said that out loud. I'm going to hate play this game now. I also believe I said a few times, like, you need to pick somebody else to do this podcast with you. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. This is horrible. That was a rough start. I, I, I was, I felt so bad for a minute there because it was so off the mark of what I thought you might enjoy. Because I did think you were going to enjoy this game. And at first you were hesitant is a nice way to put it. <laughs> I was so mad. But the important part of this is, but I went to bed that night and I could not stop thinking about this game. And I knew when I went to sleep, when I get up in the morning, I'm trying again. I am going to get further in this game. Because let's be honest, I didn't get very far the first night. I died over and over again. I didn't understand. But again, we should start at the beginning. Because yeah, go ahead. Why don't, why don't I give you, I'm going to give you the mic here. You tell me what you want to tell, you know. I don't want to give too much away. You said this game was, it's been out for almost a year, which isn't quite true. I saw on Steam it was like October of 2021. Yes. So I'm I'm going to try to be careful, but there are going to be some spoilers in this. Okay. But I'm going to try to keep it light because that's partially what makes this game so fun is that there is a lot to find. There's a lot of new changes as you go through the game. The first act, I can freely talk about the most, I think, because it's where you're going to start. You're in this old creepy cabin. There's some weird stuff around that you can interact with, and it's pretty easy to figure out what you can and cannot interact with, which I appreciate. But the main part is you're going to sit at this table with some glowing eyes in the darkness and some creepy hands that come out once in a while, (laughs) and he wants to play a card game with you. Yeah, he does. So in the very beginning... This card game, this card game, I'm serious. Daniel Mullins, I would buy this game and play it every night on the table with my family and friends right now. It is so much fun. At first, I was like, I don't want to sacrifice this squirrel. The squirrel card shakes in fear every time you even threaten it. <laughs> I had a fit about that at first, but yeah. you kind of get used to it. Like, <laughs> Isn't that mean? <laughs> it is kind of mean, and it's a little messed up, but Please at the same time... Please don't kill me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what makes this game good, right? There's a lot of things like that. You 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 get really used to having to sacrifice things and even myself, I don't like doing that so much and mm-hmm. I try to build my deck around avoiding that. That's for later though. So to start with, you get cards in the beginning that you have different animals or insects on them. It reminded me of the game uh, Magic the Gathering, which I've played before, because mm-hmm. each card has a defense and like a, a, a health. He- health or hit yep. point. 
Um, it's it's the only thing that I could draw off in the beginning where I was like, okay, I kind of get the mechanic of that, right? Um, <laughs> the hard part about this is as you're playing the game against this initial character that's shrouded in darkness, as you go along each round, he adds more and more different cards that you haven't seen before that do different things. And it's kind of wild how many different things there are you can do. The worst part is, as you play, this guy cheats constantly. Yeah, they do. He cheats all the time. And that (laughs) is the initial thing that, like, really made me rage. Really made me rage. Because to me, it was like, you can't win. It's an unbeatable game. What is the point of this? And then you die. And you literally start right back in the beginning. Ground zero. You have mm-hmm. to do it all over again. I was furious. Welcome to roguelike. Yeah. I, and I was like, who plays this? Who thinks this is fun? <laughs> but like I was saying in the beginning, the worst part about it is I went to bed and I'm like, I'm going to play that right away in the morning. I am going to get through this. And then like the next day, I just played this game. I couldn't stop playing this game. I was and surprised. the hate turned into such like, it was su- it was super exciting. I couldn't stop. I was getting further and further with each round. I was still dying a lot, but I finally realized what Matt had been telling me. You are going to die. You are going to die a lot. You have to accept that. This game does have some small mechanics in it that will help ease the pain a little bit, but it really doesn't feel like a lot at first. The more you die, the better off you are in the end, which is so weird. It's it's very counterintuitive to what you normally do when you play a video game i will say this in this case dying and playing over and over again in this game is much more about you understanding the game better and getting better at the game than it is giving you upgrades to help you get through it there are those but it's much more about you understanding things better and i can definitely say that's true Uh, the more i had to play through the same things all the time i got better and better at it and surprisingly as i started to go through like the first checkpoint hit me kind of hard. I had trouble with that. The second one hit me hard about two times and then it was like something clicked. And then it was all pretty smooth sailing from there. There are some secrets around the cabin where you got to get up from the table and figure out to Mm -hmm. move on to the next zone. At the very, very end, I think I had gotten to the final round and at that point you did kind of let slip hey you need to go check this out otherwise you're not gonna actually progress oh yeah just to save me from (laughs) i think you were scared i would rage again yeah i was a little bit yeah (laughs) so i feel a little bad about that that i didn't figure that out for myself but at the same time like to keep things moving i understand why you did that and so then you move on to act two and i will try not to give too much away here okay so i there's one thing that I uh, I want to talk about yet before we move on to that is that the the bosses that you hit in each uh, at the end of each little area in this first act yeah it's just this creepy guy putting on a mask there's like a prospector and a fisherman and what's uh, the the trapper I believe is the, the third one yes. if I remember right yep but when you fight him at the end there is a point he literally like turns the moon into a card and uses that to fight you and i love this moment when i watched you play it 
It was a little anticlimactic, actually. Yeah, because you had a card, and I didn't even think about this. There's I, cards. I was playing with um two two of my previous death cards. One of them to give insta kills monsters. Well, one of them has an insta kill sigil on sigil on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was a no cost card, no cost to put it out, no sacrifices needed to be made, and it was a three hit three defense card, which was super useful for me. Decent. <laughs> the one with the instant death, Leshy brings out this moon, and literally my first turn, bam, done. And <laughs> and, and, it, right and, and you were watching over my shoulder, and you're like, wait, what? You you did it, and I'm like, I did. Oh shoot, I did the moon do it. Has like fifty health or something. And you no, just, it's a hundred. Like, it's a hundred. Hundred oh, health. God. I, he brings out this moon, and it's like this is going to take a very very long time to defeat this. I hope I have enough cards to last. And, it's and like it didn't matter. Such a cool moment because the card takes up so much of this table, and you just one shot it, and then he's like, no. You just destroyed the moon. Did you realize that? Like, he kind of, like, he makes you feel bad, even though he's the one who put the card up there. There was a lot of cool moments in this first act. The bosses were fun. They all have their own mechanic on how they play. Yeah, Yeah, they're cheat mechanic. They all cheat, but it makes it different and interesting as you're going along. You can't guess what's going to happen and you can't prepare. You literally just have to keep getting through it, trying and trying and trying mm-hmm. again and learning from experience how to get through it. Yep. The only other thing I want to say about the first act is as you move along, there's different spaces that you choose between different paths to go. Yep. And learning how you want to play and what you want to do with your potential deck that you hope to make because it is not guaranteed what cards you are going to get. No. You learn which pathways you want to take. You make better decisions each time you learn what what stops will do what for you i really started to enjoy that i actually by the time i was done with this first act i loved it and i just wanted to keep doing that which brings us to the second act okay and for everyone listening you're gonna hear probably a weird cut here in a second and that's because i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna tell you how you can skip all the spoilers that are about to happen in this episode. I'm going to put a timestamp or, uh, you know, tell you where to skip to. So don't fret and don't freak out. Hi, Matt from the future here to tell you if you want to avoid all spoilers, skip ahead to 43 minutes and 17 seconds. If you want to hear spoilers about Act 2, don't worry, I won't judge. I'm going to put another cut after Act 2 spoilers are done so you don't get anything wrecked about the finale. Talk to you soon. All right. Spoiler alerts. Everybody dies. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) Pretty close. (laughs) So you defeat the moon. Yeah. You basically... Shoot, how how far in depth should I go with this? Well, okay. So Leshy's... Should I say what happens? You take a picture of him. You take a picture of take Leshy. Take a shot at him. I'll just say that. You take a picture of Leshy. Yeah. You get transported in, well, not really. Yeah, kind of. You get transported into a completely different game, it feels like. You start mm-hmm. out in an 8-bit world. Yeah. You have a map. You have a little 8-bit character walking around on a pathway that's predetermined. For anybody who's played the old Game Boy Pokemon trading card game. I think it was for the original Game Boy, Game Boy Color. This is like what you were in. It's like exactly like that, except not Pokemon. It's completely different from the 3D world that you were in in that dark cabin before. Yes. 
the main focus in the beginning is which deck will you choose? You get four different options. Now, one is a beast deck, which is Leshy's deck. Mm -hmm. Now you have a choice between a bone deck or an undead deck, a magic deck, and a robotic deck. And they all play a little bit differently. You have no idea when you start. It, it demands you to choose immediately. Yes. You have no idea what is... <laughs> you don't know like what is different about them. You don't yep. know what's the same. Yep. You have no idea. They give you a bare description and they demand you choose. You cannot move until you do. Well, in the first act, there are some cards that do require bones to play. Mm -hmm. And... An undead deck sounded kind of badass, so I said, let's go with that. That's the one that I, I picked. So you start out and you get a map view, and the world is um, divided into four different sections, and it's really obvious which four they are. You have your, your beast side, your undead, your magic, and your robotic section. Yeah. What the game does is they tell you there's these four scribes. Yes. And Leshy, the boss of the first act, is one of these four scribes. And they're all vying for power. They're all like in this big power struggle on this map. And But you can come in and take one of their place. Or something, that, something yes, along those you're, lines. Yes. You pick the scribe that you want to replace, yes. basically. Yep. I went through this part of the game... I don't want to get too more specific, um, too much more specific about how it plays. Mm -hmm. I will say I did not enjoy this act as much. I thought it wasn't even the frustration of having to learn a completely new way to play. That did frust frustrate me a little bit at first with the with the undead deck. Mm -hmm. um, you have some new and completely different cards. After a while of playing, you get the hang of what you picked, mm -hmm. right? With anything that's going to happen. Yep. The problem that I have is that you don't have many opportunities to actually play the card game to get really good at it. And that's what I didn't like about it. Yeah, there's like three there is a people set number you fight and then the scribe every time. In, eh. in each of the four areas. Yep. So you have a very limited amount of battles to learn how to play. Mm -hmm. Defeating the scribes is hard because, again, they cheat. They all cheat in their own special way. They make the game work for them and against you. Absolutely. And... I really, really, I just was so frustrated and I wished it was more like Pokemon where there was just wild card people <laughs> hanging in the grass that would battle me so I could just go and like grind and get some XP and some training on it. No. Um, other than that, like it, it's not that it wasn't fun, but if that game by itself was out, I wouldn't really, I probably wouldn't get that hardcore into it it wasn't that enticing to me it wasn't super exciting hmm. it was cool to see the different decks i like that but also kind of operate. frustrating because you have your choice and it's like i said you need more battles to learn what's gonna do well against others and i do want to say this you chose a bone deck and you followed that deck hardcore you didn't do very much intermixing and I, I i did more myself when i did it yes and you you ran into a couple frustrating parts until you like you kept tweaking your deck a little by little by little and but for me i found one card there's this one card in ouroboros it's a snake eating its tail every time you sacrifice it or it dies it revives in your hand with plus one plus one power so it gains an attack it gains a health but that's permanent. And there is one thing in this map 
the training dummy that you can fight over and over and over again. Yeah, but you can't get to the training dummy until you defeat half of this act. Well, don't, you know, you only need to beat one scribe to get across the bridge, right? At that point, it's just, it feels useless. Like, <laughs> it, it to me, it's like, well, I got this far. Okay, but I want to tell you, I had a necromancer that revive, kills the card twice, and I had this Ouroboros. So I'd sacrifice this Ouroboros, it'd die twice, it'd get plus two, plus two. And you know what? I fought that training dumping for a while, farming foils so I could get all the cards so I could build the deck how I want. You want to know what that Ouroboros was at by the time I was done with the first, second act? Our son told me a million times because he said I should do it like you did. Really? You need to make a 10-10 Ouroboros it like my dad 10-10. did. It was 100-100. Oh, okay. He meant that. <laughs> There's nothing worse than getting shamed by your child as you're playing a game. So if I got my Ouroboros out, I'd win that round. Even if it was a boss, you know, as long as I got it out there and there was an open space, instant win, 80 foils or whatever, you know? Oh like, my gosh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, that was a very... I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is game this is game breaking right here. This yeah, is unfair. I'm gonna take the high road there. Well, Although I did cheat a little and break the game a little bit later, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. I will say this though: you can f- the Ouroboros you find in the next act right. matches whatever the health and attack was of the Ouroboros at the end of the second act. So I had a super powerful card to help me through the next act, and we can start talking about that now. Hey, Matt from the future here. Just to give you a reminder, this is your last chance to avoid spoilers about the end of the game inscription. Still, won't judge, but skip to that 43 minutes and 17 seconds if you don't want to hear. Bye-bye! So once you get through the second act, again, we're going to try to be a little bit more vague, but still hopefully keep it interesting. The third act, you wake up. And you are completely confused because what you were trying to do was take over the scribe that you chose. And the scribe that takes over is the same one every time, no matter what you choose. I actually picked that one, so it worked out for him mm. on my game. Should I say who did it? No, we can skip. Okay. Um. So from my point of view, what I can say is everything I had played as so far, everything I had picked this was completely different so i had to learn a completely new thing in the third act but what's cool about this third act is it takes the first act and the second act and kind of wildly meshes them together very well actually and it is done really really well Mm -hmm. the creator of this game was able to ultimately teach you how to play this card game in the first act by keeping Mm -hmm. it simple with one type of card And then in the second act, they teach you how to deal with three other kinds of decks. So by the fourth act, you can pick which you are most attracted to, which you like to play as, which you feel more confident with, and build that deck to get through this third act. And it's a beautiful way to do it. I gotta say, it's, it's amazingly streamlined in the end. And you don't know that he's doing that until you're there. Yeah. And you see it all come together. I would say, for my personal opinion, I would say, like, the first act is probably my favorite. I enjoy all the different types of cards you can play in the second act. And in the third act, it's such a good uh, mix. It feels much more like the first act, but, um, like, a more of a narrative push, if that makes sense. Like, you get a little more understanding about what's going on, but not enough to... 
actually understand what's going on. <laughs> if that, I, I would say this: beat the game. And uh, if you know of the game theorist on YouTube, Matt Pat, he does a really fun theory on it. Uh, beat the game first before you watch that, if you can, because it it's much more enjoyable that way. I feel. Oh, definitely, definitely. It has a lot of secrets, it has a lot of lore, it has a lot of things to think about. And depending on what you do in each act, opens up different things in the next act. Yeah. Whether you complete some of these puzzles or not, you can still get through the game. And when you do, the ending is kind of wild, but it's beautiful. It's really good. I yeah. actually beat this game. I don't remember the in last the time <laughs> I have beaten a game. It's yeah. been a while because yep. I can't. Luckily, it's short enough. And <laughs> I was so supremely addicted after that first night that I just every day I played at least a little bit and I got through it because, like I said, once I picked it up, I had it and it got easier and easier. It was pretty fun. All so. Right. All right. So I'm sure it feels like feels like you uh, missed out on a big chunk of the podcast. And if you did. Go play this game. I 100% endorse this game so, so, so much. And I want to see, what what would your rating be for this one? Because you gave Hitman a 9 out of 10. And I would give this game at least the same rating, if not more. I gotta give this game a 10 out of 10. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Because if you had asked me on the first night, I would have given it a zero, never play this, burn it, trash it. You would have smothered me in my sleep with a pillow, yeah. Dang, <laughs> 10 out of 10 on this game. There's so much to love about it. And like I said, just there's the basic game mechanic to love. But on top of that, there's so many layers of other things going on, things mm -hmm. to do, things to learn, things to see that I don't want to give too much away and describe too much. This game has so much to it. Yeah. And it might not look like that. It might not feel like that in the beginning. But if you keep playing, there is so much to see. Yes. It is fantastic. It's made, I don't even know how to say it. It's just done so well. It's so thought through. It is, Thoughtful. it is, it is thought through with a, it is insane how small a detail this creator has, has given to the tiniest things in this game. It's, it's crazy. Yes. I will say if you like road lights, if you like card games or a mix of the two, cause there are a few other good ones out there. Definitely give this one a try. I I think it's going. For, I can't remember how much it's going for on Steam. Uh, I don't remember what I saw. But it's not. Super I think it's expensive. like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, but I'm not positive. I I'm pretty sure I picked it up on sale for fifteen bucks and a hundred a hundred percent worth it. And there's a fun mod that's on there, so you can just keep replaying that first act. And I know I'm gonna install that at some point and just have fun redoing it and going through it again. Like I said, they could absolutely package this card game up and sell it on store shelves and i would be in line to buy it so ready to play i want to mix so of fun. here to slay dice throne like you get each of the scribes as a deck pre-built deck and then you can fight each other in whichever way you choose it's so much fun that that's me <laughs> it is um do you think you're gonna play it again i want to play it again but you know the only bad part about this game is once you get through all of it, you feel like you finished it in a weird way. Yeah, and it's sort yep. of like, eh. I think I will play it again just because I do love the game mechanics so much. Mm -hmm. But it makes me more excited to find more deck building games like this. 
Yeah. Even if they are roguelike. That was really? really hard for me at first, but I think I'm okay with it now. We'll have to see if I rage on That's the next good. one. I, I, I play. have one in my massive list. I have there's another one in there that I think you'll really like. And that one has some interesting ways about going about it too, but we'll save that for another day. This is tough. I finally hit that stubborn point where I was like, no, I'm going to get somewhere in this game because yep. other people have, so I should be able to, too. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add at the end here? I mean, I'm, I'm, I just have to say I am glad you gave it another try after bouncing off it so hard that first night. The first night was rough. Um, And I'm <laughs> also glad that my judgment wasn't as bad as I was worried about for a second. Nope. And I, I really... That's a good point, too. I love watching you try these things out and the different ways you go about it. It it makes it makes me happy because it's fun to see different things that happen in the game. Because I got to see things that didn't happen for me. Right. Um, that brings me to another point, too. Because you had pointed out in the beginning, like, you just thought the aesthetic would be right up my alley. And yes. I got to agree with that. Especially in the first and first third. First act, 100%. <laughs> first act, I loved. And, and even the third act, the aesthetic of it, the... It was, it is, it's creepy, it's exciting, there's a lot of anticipation building, because yeah. you don't know what's actually nope. going on. Um, so there was just a lot of things about this game to love. It's not like the best graphics in the world, but that's the point, because things are creepier when it's a little blurry, and it's a little hard to make yeah, things out. So it was a beautiful wonky. way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Indie games can really excel at giving you that creepy vibe because it's not AAA. It doesn't have to be perfect. And that actually makes it worse. <laughs> not not wor better, I should say. Creepier is the word. Worse I'm as for. in creepier, but yep, better yep. <laughs> to uh, give you those creeps. <laughs> those um, sweet, sweet creeps. Those sweet, sweet creeps. <laughs> oh, that's good. So you give it a 10 out of 10. 10 I, out of 10. I, I really loved this game. Definitely a 9.5. Like, this is an experience worth doing. Um, I feel like it's going to be hard for you to throw a game at me that'll beat this. Like, this one was just exciting and fun. I had just finished it before, not long before we did our Hitman, finished our Hitman episode. And I just was so excited to have someone else play it and see what they thought. And I am so glad you enjoyed it and finished it and... Just some, but something to share with, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give one last plea to someone to turn this into a physical card game. And then, I guess until next time, I'm Matt. And I'm Rose. And I hope you guys keep gaming with your bestie. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!